And we are looking today um, at one of our core values in the church. And as I started, I was speaking to the 8 o'clock service and saying, you know, I'm really contemplating this whole thing of getting older. Um, and it just happened because I thought I was a year younger. And then I worked it out. And I think Jono pointed out I was actually a year older than I thought I was. Um, I made a joke with the 8 a.m. congregation. I said, you know, I'm looking 50 in the eyes, but you know what? It's okay because when you're at the 8 a.m. congregation, 50 is the new 30. Um, But I work, no one laughed, so thank you. (laughs) Apparently, it's not so funny when you tell 70-year-olds that. Um, But when you are are heading towards 50 and you tell the teenage and young adult volunteers, because they asked me the other day how old I was, and I actually saw one of them, if you see jaws drop, I actually saw a whole group of teenagers and young adults have their jaws drop when I was speaking to this bunch. And all of a sudden you realize like when you're working with teenagers and young adults that um, 50 is the new 90. Um, <laughs> and then my algorithms reminded me of my age when I was looking at my YouTube clips. And, um, and Bob and Brad, does anyone know Bob and Brad? The two most famous physiotherapists on the internet. They give you things for sore necks and sore backs. And then funny enough, I mentioned it at the 8 a.m. And I thought someone was coming for prayer. And she actually just wanted me to remind her of the name of the the clips I was watching. So (laughs) we're all trying to fight it. Um, But Bob and Brad, they're awesome (laughs) if you've got aches and pains. Um, But just such a reminder in the last few weeks that outwardly we are wasting away and that everything, if we look at things that are happening in the world, the tragedies, the hardships, everything, the resources, if we're looking at famine and earthquakes and what the Bible says, things will get look like later in life. And as we go on, we know that the world is unwinding. We are heading that way. But we know that we belong to a kingdom that is heading that way. And that is the beauty of the kingdom that we live in, is that God has a calling to our lives that looks so different to everyone else's life. When all our lives are heading the same way, God is saying, I'm calling you this way. This is the kingdom. It's a kingdom of power. It's a kingdom that will know no end. It is a kingdom that has no bounds, and it goes completely counter to what the world tells us is going to be happening and what the world says. There is no hope. This is where we see things going. And so if you look at our core values that are up here, we've been looking through them, and these are callings that we take from God's Word, from the Bible. And I really believe they're great core values. They're things that I would commit my life to, even if I wasn't at Connect, because they're good and godly principles. And they are so exciting. So I love being part of a church that takes God's calling seriously. And so as we start, just to remember that God hasn't finished with you, Margaret. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory. That's the purpose that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, when you have your cataract up, not on what is seen, but is what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I know, Margaret, you've been sowing into the eternal for many years in our church and in this community and in our country. And so it's so beautiful to be part of transformation, and that is what God is calling us all to, a ministry of transformation. 
And I think sometimes um, places that we work, companies that we use, they've messed up this whole concept of core values because core values can often become something we just see printed on a wall and it means nothing to everyone. If you're possibly part of a big corporate and you've got your corporate values and guidelines on the wall and everyone goes to work and sees it and it means like absolutely nothing to 95% of people and the HR departments just put it out and everyone is just going for the paycheck. And we need to be careful, and sorry if you're not one of those in your company, I'm not meaning to insult your businesses, but we mustn't have that same attitude when we come and we see a bunch of values on the wall. These are things that if you're part of Connect and this is your home, we feel God is leading us in this ministry. And so that is why we're unpacking them together because we feel this is a significant calling that will be a blessing not only to this body, but to the world that we find ourselves in when we're not here on a Sunday. And so we're going to be looking at the value of being a spirit-filled people, having been filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we look at this value, I know this is a slightly tricky one because some people have had experiences that have been different to this calling or it brings up a certain emotion because it can sometimes be something that we fear. But I just want to assure you that as we look at God's word together at Connect, we feel that we and believe that we are people at Connect Church that say yes to God's word. We do not ignore God's word. It is our foundation. Colossians 3 verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Let it live amongst all of us as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And so it's a beautiful thing that we feel we say yes to God's word. Every day we say yes. But we also connect, not but, and we also connect, say yes to the Holy Spirit. And these aren't in opposition. And I think as I was preparing and I was going, Lord, how do I how do I even just make sense of this in my own life? Because I think, I don't know if this has been your experience of church, but there will be some churches that say, we are people of the word, and this is everything that we're about. And then you have other churches that say, we people of the spirit, and this is what we're all about. And the sad reality is it causes division in the churches. And actually, God calls us to both. And as I was sitting there, I prayed, I opened my eyes, and I was, I, I was in my office, and there's the tummy bug. Um, that's going around, and I'm around kids a lot, so I saw my vitamin C on my table and a glass of water. So I popped the vitamin in my mouth, and then I took it back with a glass of water. And God just reminded me, we need food, we need water. You cannot survive without solid food. You need the vitamins, the nourishment, everything it does to your body you need. You cannot survive without water. You will die without it. We need both, and both can happily exist in one body. And so we don't put these against each other. We go, yes, Lord, we say yes to both. Your word gets our yes. Your Holy Spirit gets our yes. John 14 says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The Holy Spirit reminds us that we are not fatherless, that he comes in a spirit of love. He gently comes and marks us as believers. 
But I also want to start by just giving a little bit of a whirlwind, and I, I say whirlwind because we don't have too much time, um, but I also feel like it's important to just speak about who the Holy Spirit is before we launch into a teaching on what it looks like in our church, because I know there are many here who know probably everything that I'm going to say, um, but God needs to challenge us. And as I prepared, I mean, in Bible college, you spend a whole term doing a course called pneumatology, and that's basically study of the Holy Spirit. It means absolutely nothing about how you experience the Holy Spirit because you can study everything and know every Bible verse and still be lacking in certain areas of your life and walk with God. So as you journey with me, don't think I know this all. Think, Lord, what do you want to show me? Because even as I looked at this list, God once again reminded me of some beautiful reality. So let's have open hearts. Um, And then for those of you who maybe are still finding out things in the faith and growing, um, I took some of these points from a great book that I can give you that gives a great overview, but I'm not going to go on a sidetrack now. But the points that I'm going to do, I just took from a list, so not my own work, but it's just scriptures. But basically, I feel like we need to understand the Holy Spirit because we actually, we run the risk of getting too influenced by what the world teaches about the spiritual realm. And it actually can often affect our, our thinking. I'm saying actually a lot. I don't know why. I'm trying to speak quite quickly because there's a lot to cover. But um, so, yes, so our first um, t- kind of influence of the spiritual realm when we are growing up can usually be like we've watched a scary movie. And so all of a sudden we've heard a ghost story, something that puts fear And often our first feeling of the spiritual realm is actually one of fear, not of stepping into that love relationship with God. We also look at the new age, and it's starting to get a little bit confusing because we're talking about energies and unseen things and this realm that seems to have power. And so there are people that are trying to preach these things, and then sometimes it even slips into the church, and you find these practices when it's actually opposite to what God speaks about his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't a plug that you just plug into and get the power. There was a, there was a man who, who in the early church days, as theology was being formed and the Bible was being unpacked, and his name was Arian, and he basically said the Holy Spirit is essence. And we call it like the Arian controversy or heresy because he said it's essence. And if you use vanilla essence, it's the extract. You take it out, but it's not the vanilla pod. And that is not true. And even that teaching has slipped into the church. And so as we start, the one thing I want to highlight to you is that the Holy Spirit is a person. We talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. Not person as we know it, like flesh and skin, but person. Like he is a personal Holy Spirit who comes to dwell in us. And we can, we can sometimes detach ourselves and think of this airy-fairy energy or essence when actually he's deeply personal. And I'm going to go through some verses very quickly. Um, but these, these verses speak about the characteristics of a person that he has, that the Holy Spirit searches and he has knowledge. The Holy Spirit distributes gifts as he wills. The Holy Spirit has a mind. The Holy Spirit loves us. He testifies of Jesus and exalts the Father and Son over himself. When we speak about the, the Holy Spirit, there's personal pronouns like the comforter, the parakletos, which is like our helper, he comes alongside us to come and comfort and help. There are acts that are personal acts that are ascribed to the Holy Spirit. He speaks. 
He intercedes for us. He teaches us. Um, the Holy Spirit guides. If you look at how he guided Paul, and then sometimes he would forbid him from going to certain places. The Spirit strives with man. And then this one was one that stood out for me as I was preparing that the Holy Spirit can receive treatment from a person. And I took a step back and I said to myself, how am I treating the Holy Spirit? Do you ever think about that? How are you treating the Holy Spirit? He can be grieved by us. We can insult him. He can be lied to. He can be blasphemed. And then you see how as father and son, they are all identified as a person. He's um, named with the father and son at the baptism. That's the baptism of Jesus. He's named with the father and son in benediction. And he's identified with the believers as a person. And I'm not sure what your um, feeling is when you think about the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we can treat the Holy Spirit like we do a Zoom meeting. If you had the... Uh, privilege and non-privilege of having to have lots of Zoom meetings during COVID and your colleagues or friends or people you were talking to across the world and it just was not the same. You have the meeting and then you just close your laptop and boom, it's over. There's no personal connection. There's no intimate times with them as you sit and you were used to drink coffee and laugh together and it's so clinical. And we can sometimes forget the person of the Holy Spirit and treat him like on the other side of a laptop, something that I switch on and switch off. I go to Zoom meetings. In my prayer times, that's when I speak to the Holy Spirit instead of remembering that he dwells in us. And so as we look at our values and unpack them a bit more, um, and these that I'm going to be going through, it sounds like I've taken my notes from everywhere else, and I actually have. So this is not new information. This can be found in our church's core values. And you'd think that my, my preparation was really easy this week. It actually wasn't. I really battled. But um, if we look, and now my old age is kicking in, I typed this out in yellow, and I have to take it a bit closer because I can't read it without my glasses. Um, but it is by the Spirit that we experience the love of God and deep communion with Him. And so it is the Holy Spirit that helps us to feel God's love and that intimate communion. And I was thinking as I reflected back on when I felt like my first experience where I really felt like there was this physical experience of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I'd grown up in a church that had brilliant teaching. They would have described their church as people of the word. And I love it. And I thank God for this church. As I grew up, um, we had a youth pastor who came to our church, and he was so passionate about God. And I looked at him, and I felt like there was something missing because I had God in my life. I'd given my life to God. I 100% know I was knew I was a believer, but I felt like there was something missing. I felt like I knew I was marked with the Holy Spirit because he comes into a believer's life, and he is the mark. He is the helper. And I'd seen him answer prayers. I'd felt drawn to my relationship with God and to his word. Um, but we used to have these prayer times, and there were probably about 12 of us in this room that we actually called the upper room. Um, the church always has spiritual names for every room in the building. And we used to just pray for God to come down, and just how God came and touched me in a way I never had, and just almost lit a fire. And I didn't know exactly, because I hadn't had too much teaching on the Holy Spirit, so I didn't know, how do you nurture this fire, this thing that's inside me? Now, you know, as I started to read God's Word and understand aspects of God, 
And then at a camp, um, because this is also the funny thing with the Baptists, they often have these very conservative churches, and then they would send the teenagers off to summer camp and all these camps where God would come down and everyone was worshiping and God would touch people and set their hearts on fire. And essentially the Holy Spirit was moving, but we just didn't recognize it. And one day God just showed me his love in such an incredible way. We were sitting in a meeting and God just came and made something alive that hadn't come alive up to that moment. And I just sat in tears. It wasn't embarrassing. It wasn't crazy. It wasn't sensational. Um, And at that point, I didn't go and change the world, but God just took something. He confirmed that what I believed about him was true, that what I'd learned in my head was happening in my heart too, that I was his child. And I was so affirmed in that moment that that is something that just lit a fire in me that has held me for the rest of my life. And so we see that intimacy in that fruit. Romans 5 verse 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts. That's almost like a beautiful love letter. It's just poured out in such a beautiful way. Um, And he does this through the Holy Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians it says, These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. So that's where the, the, the knowledge and the confirmation comes in. God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from us, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So it just helps with an understanding. And you thought you understood your Bible because you were incredibly bright. We cannot understand it without the Holy Spirit. He's the one who makes it all alive. And then we look at the New Testament and we see how the New Testament teaches that the spirit-filled life should be the norm for every believer. This should be what we are walking around with. This should be the thing that we are daily committing to of, Lord, just fill me. I want a spirit-filled life that I walk with you. This is where the joy comes in. And if you are not experiencing this, you probably aren't experiencing the joy and the intimacy of walking with God because this is where it happens. And once again, you know me, I think in pictures and stories, and I was thinking about um, a time where I felt a total disconnect from Jono. And this is, we were traveling, and we had been married for about a year. And I'd said to Jono, we were talking about budget and holidays, and I said, listen, I'm the queen of cheap holidays. Let's go on it. Let's book the ticket. Let's go to Greece. I'll show you how it's done. And so we went, and I was right. 20 euros, 30 euros a night. We would just rock up. You don't book. You go on shoulder season. You rock up in a town. Go and negotiate a price, and you get a amazing seafront property. So it worked really well, but we arrived in the town of Kalamata, and we hadn't booked a car. So I'm like, okay, Jono, we need to find where the cars are. You need to go because we had all the baggage. And um, so I was like, I'll wait with it. I don't think I had any money, but I was sitting at the bus stop. You go hire the car, come back, fetch it, and we can go with the luggage and look for a spot. So we go, and then Jono leaves. And Jono doesn't come back for quite a while. And I sit there waiting, I start to journal, I find things to do, and John still doesn't come back. (laughs) And now I'm thinking, I'm sitting in a foreign country, in a town I've never been, I don't know what life looks like out of this bus stop, and I don't know what's going to happen. What has happened to my husband? Has he been mugged? Has he disappeared? 
I know there's a contract that requires my husband to return to me, but I'm not sure he's going to. And so then my prayers in my journal started to be like, please, Lord, just bring my husband back. And you realize how helpless you are in this world once everything is taken away. And all I wanted in that moment was for Jono to buy me a cup of coffee and look me in the eyes and say, I've got a car outside. We're going to put all the luggage in and we're going to find a spot because that is what I desired. You see, we can have the contract sometimes without the intimacy. We can have the relationship and not know that closeness and enjoy it because all our baggage and everything that's limiting us and keeping us at the bus stop is keeping us from stepping out and enjoying the intimacy that we should be knowing with God, our Heavenly Father. And so my question is, is there baggage that is holding you back from experiencing that intimacy with your Heavenly Father? For some, it could be experiences that you've had of church in the past. For some, it might be even emotional blockages and ways that you can't receive love. It's so worth pursuing God because he will help to break those down. He will not leave you at the bus stop by yourself. I had sent John, just by the way, I talked him into it, so just don't want to make my husband look bad there. Um, And he came back with a car. He did. And so in Acts chapter 2, and this was spoken about, and it's amazing because this very verse was prophesied about in the book of Joel, and now we see it coming um, with Peter, and he says this in Acts chapter 2, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. It's available for everyone. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will receive visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Such a beautiful verse. And then we go down to verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The Holy Spirit isn't for some elite squad, (laughs) you know, like the elite team that goes in and does all the things that you see in movies, the SWAT team. The Holy Spirit is there for everyone, to give gifts to everyone, to lead everyone, and this should be the norm for us. Romans 8 says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. If you still feel like a slave, if you don't feel like you can go to God as Abba Father, the Spirit wants to come and help you. And he says he will help us in our weaknesses. 1 Corinthians says this, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. So it shows he's speaking to the Corinthian church, who are a church who know him, who have that relationship, but they're still choosing to say no to the Holy Spirit. And he relates that to people who are infants. He says he's relating to you as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. 
For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? And do you see how when we see in our lives that there's jealousy, when there's quarreling, when even the spiritual gifts cause a jealousy in us, maybe that's your clue that God wants to put something in you and set a fire in you and mature you in this area to be more like him. Not to be more like another person, to be more like him. And then the third one is that the spiritual life is evidence by assurance of salvation, the fruit of the Spirit, godly conduct, the gifts of the Spirit, boldness and courage for mission. And we don't have time to go through everything, but I thought, you know, it's once again, how can one, you know, we like to put things in simple little boxes and go, this is the reason we have the Holy Spirit, to tell me I'm saved, to do this. And we like to put him and everything in life into neat little boxes that we understand, realizing that we cannot understand God, creator of the universe. And it's like a beautiful diamond that at whatever angle you hold it, you're seeing different aspects of his character. When I hold it this way, I'm seeing the gifts. I'm seeing the fruit, the evidence. And so there's so much in that. I really encourage you, read our our core values. But then going on, the filling of the Spirit and the mission of Jesus are inseparable. And this is so important because when you see how Jesus operated, how the New Testament went, there was a filling of the Spirit and equipping, and that became part of the mission. And Brian can, I'm sure, attest to the fact that when you're on the mission field, you need the gifts of the Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit anointing. The problem is we are all on mission and we forget that. So when you leave the comforts of your home, when you leave the, and go to another country, then all of a sudden we go, oh, we need Jesus. We need his Holy Spirit. But here we go. Every day we need the Holy Spirit. And the amazing thing is, is that when you look at people who have put themselves out in church history, when they've been in situations that have been beyond them, that is when you really see the Holy Spirit coming through. I don't know if you've ever read any of the stories of the martyrs and what some of them said on their deathbed as they were being killed, words of prophecy coming from their mouths, words of evangelism and teaching where people would repent around them. When you see even around the the plagues and pandemics that happened and things would light up. And I don't know if you've even seen just the revival that's happening in Ashbury. I don't know if any of you have heard of it or followed it. But just at a university where, where young people just gave God time. And it centered around repentance, confession, the preaching of God's word. And this fire's been lit where there's just this continual worship. And people are just flocking to this place. And I just want that to be an encouragement because sometimes some of you might think, well, revival, it just gets crazy. I can't cope. It's just, it's a beautiful, just people worshiping, centered on Christ. The Holy Spirit is there. And you just look and we just go, we're on the side of going, we don't know what is happening. But I wouldn't be surprised if we're praying for Turkey and we're saying, Lord, we're praying for Syria. We're praying for Turkey, these countries that have had so much opposition, especially Syria. And we're just going, maybe in this revival over here in Ashbury, there are people that are being raised up at the university to go and will one day find themselves in this place where there's been absolute devastation at the same time because that is how God's kingdom works. Because we're part of this kingdom, we're not part of that kingdom that is getting destroyed and wasting away. We're in the kingdom that is moving forward. So we need the Holy Spirit when it comes to mission. And then the last thing is that God is still at work through all of the spiritual gifts that he has given to the church. All of God's people are to desire spiritual gifts and use them for the building of the church and for accomplishing the mission of Jesus 
on earth. And I just want to, this will be the last scripture I read. I've got quite a few more, but I just want to end with Romans chapter 12. It says, by by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves as sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And what a wonderful foundation for the Holy Spirit working in our lives, realizing how actually we must think of ourselves as sober judgment, not more highly. The gifts aren't here to make you shine. The gifts are there to make God shine. That is why he's put it in us. That is what he's called us to. It's about his kingdom. And it is concerning when a church elevates one gift, one person, one whatever, and forgets everyone else, and everyone else is made to feel inferior because then it's no longer about God. We're about body ministry, and that's why even the, our communion services that we're having next week, that is why, because we recognize that we all have something to bring, and we need to hear from each other and encourage each other. But it needs to come from a place of knowing who we are and knowing who God is. And it's so easy to sometimes also see people up front using their gifts and thinking, well, I'm not like them, or, or criticizing, or if you knew how useless I am at public speaking. I could rewind to when I was in high school, and I don't have any videos, but show you just how rotten I was and how much anxiety I would have just about standing and sharing anything in front of a class of people. So I know the fact that I'm here and can even just get a Bible verse out in front of all of you is just evidence that this isn't me. I'm not doing this. This is how God's choosing to use me in this season. I'm not great. I'm really pathetic at public speaking. But God has his hand over, and that is what happens happens when we step out in obedience is we actually see things that we couldn't do in our own strength and with our own skills because I don't have that skill set. But God goes, I've chosen you for a job and he's chosen all of us. It's not just me because I happen to have the microphone at this point, which can be so incredibly humbling. And that's the attitude we should come of just going, God, I'm so humble. What do you want to say, Lord? Just, just use me because I am nothing. And Lord, you are everything, and without you, I have no good thing. Verse 4, sorry. I actually bought wet wipes because I already felt overwhelmed when I was praying this morning. So I can kiss my mascara smudges. Yeah. Verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And here we just see, let's create an environment. And that's really the church that we picture is a church where everyone has this beautiful freedom to use their gifts and for us to appreciate it. And I was reading a Jack Deere book where he speaks about his experience. And he was a guy who was a professor. And if you ever are battling to understand the Holy Spirit and what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, his book was very instrumental, I know, in Shelley in my life, just in terms of helping us understand things. And he was at a, at a college where he was a theological professor. And he ended up losing his job because of what God was doing in his life through the Holy Spirit. 
And it's a great book, quite a thick one, but it's brilliant. And he does in one of his other ones, he speaks about how he was, once God had started working in his life and he was trusting God for healings and miracles and these sort of things, because that is how God was using him with his gifts. And he got invited to speak at a church. And he all of a sudden got quite anxious because it was a, they had advertised this healing service around the whole neighborhood and it had brought in a whole bunch of non-Christians. And he has one observation from it that stood out to me and it was that it was easier to do a healing service and lead this ministry with a bunch of non-Christians than it was with a bunch of Christians. And isn't that a sad indication of the church because the gifts it speaks about using for us, for our edification, for the local body, but in the church, the minute someone steps out, they have to do it 100% perfectly or they get criticized or it doesn't line up or they say something wrong. And all of a sudden, this becomes the most brutal place to exercise our gifts when there should be so much freedom when we come to church for us to lovingly correct each other. If you see how even when we share a word and you bring it to the elders, and the, the, this isn't conditions for 100% perfection. This is conditions for church and grace and letting God have his way and sometimes our mistakes keep us more humble than getting things right. And so when we see humility as part of using our spiritual gifts, it's a must, it's not a maybe. And so we see this church that is gathering together using gifts under God's Holy Spirit. And as I, I actually, I had one very short last verse, and we do need to end. Um, but just my challenge to you is 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, do not quench the Spirit. It's a clear command. If you are a person of the word, then this word should be significant to you. That there are times in our lives when we can quench the Holy Spirit. We can, if it's a fire and we're picturing a fire, we could put our feet on it or throw water on it and just put it out. It is possible. But the Bible tells us not to. Because there's a calling that God wants, that he wants free reign on his church. And so as we close, the beauty of the person of the Holy Spirit is that he's saying something different to each of us because we are all individuals with our own walk. What is God saying to you? Are there areas in your life where you feel you're quenching the Holy Spirit? Maybe there's pride. Maybe there's that jealousy and frustration. Maybe there's that feeling inadequate. Once again, we're just drawn to the fact that we are church under God. This is not for our namesake. It's for his namesake. And your heavenly Father loves you. Your Holy Spirit wants to fill you. And so we're going to pray. If I can get the worship team up, we're also going to just be ending in, in some worship. But if you want some prayer, um, I actually asked someone as I was chatting, I asked one of the youth leaders on Friday, and I said, at this church, um, have you had opportunities just growing up to be prayed for, to be filled with the Spirit? And he just had to think for a while, and he's like, I'm not sure. I know who to go to or what I would do, but, and I just thought, sure, what a tragedy. Like, have we been putting out the Holy Spirit? Do we create these opportunities? So if you've never been prayed for, this is your time. You can reach your hands out. You can pray. You can stay afterwards and we can pray some more. We've got elders. We've got many people here who would love to pray with you. But maybe this is your opportunity because you've never had it before. And so we're going to just pray and say, Lord, have your way. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that as a church under your word, we can celebrate who you are. Lord, we also want to take your command seriously, and you tell us that we need to be filled with the Spirit, that we are not left as orphans. You've called us to do life differently. 
And so, Lord, I just pray, come fill us now. Come fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, if there are any who are even just battling with just emotional pain, disappointments, things that might be barriers just to even experiencing your love, Lord, I pray that those will be broken. I pray that we will be a community that encourages each other when it comes to the Holy Spirit moving, that we will love these times together, that we'll pray for each other, that we'll daily give you free reign, Lord. Lord, there may even be people here who need to take that first step of just saying yes to you and living their life for you and stepping into that relationship. And we pray, Lord, that we will not harden our hearts today if we hear you calling us. Amen.